And good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening, whatever the case may be on this rotating globe. Welcome to another live edition of The Other Side of Midnight, that magical time between dusk and dawn where we get to cover the coming revolution. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, last night we discussed at great length with some very interesting guests, David Sarita and Joe Cerletti. Uh, Ron wasn't able to join us because of, uh, uh, shall we say, weather issues. But we had a really in-depth discussion, which, which escalated very nicely. And toward the end of the show, when I talked uh, with Georgia Lambert afterwards, she says, oh, I was dying to get in. I was dying to break it. I said, why didn't you call? Anyway, uh, Georgia's on tonight, and we're going to be kind of examining some of the things we talked about in detail in the last hour last night, in the last hour on this night. And you'll see how, if this all works, this all comes together. Um, the electronics all appear to be very well behaved. The wind shifted, the smoke is cleared, my voice seems to be uh, uh, kind of normal, so we'll cross our fingers and move on. This show tonight, the, the, the title, which of course attacks directly this horrible situation vis-a-vis, you know, Uvalde and all the other examples going back year after year after year after year, there's a growing sentiment that I've picked up now both at the official level and at the grassroots level and in between, that enough is enough is enough. So I want to talk tonight about solutions and I want to talk about causes because we're going to talk tonight about something uh, applicable to these mass shootings that, frankly, I think is receiving far too little attention. And I only decided at the last minute to get into all this tonight because I discovered something so stunning, so startling, so shocking in the Uvalde data itself. And when I lay this out, you're gonna, you're gonna see what I mean. That it had to be brought to your attention. And what we do with it, if there's anything we can do with it, because we're, we're in a society that I don't think is quite ready for some of the modeling that I'm going to propose for why this is repeatedly occurring. But, you know, that's going to be the conversation. Um, what do I want to do? I want to go to the other side of midnight. If you're new to the show and you're listening on, on some device and you don't have your computer or your cell phone actually on, you want to find our URL, theothersideofmidnight.com. You want to click on that. That will show you our tonight's banner. At the very top of the page, just scroll down just a smidge, was Evaldi just the latest in a continuing secret ritual? I mean, this is going to really raise sparks, and we're going to get into politics. Warning, we will. But we have two friends and colleagues here tonight, ultimately joined by a third. We all know each other's work. We all respect each other. So hopefully the conversation will shed far more light than heat on some of the very controversial things we are going to be discussing. So let me start. Um, if you go to uh, uh, the banner and click on the banner, that will take you to the guest page. And then right under that, you'll see uh, to listen to the show. And then there's fast links to items, me, Ron, and Robert. Click on my name. The first item, of course, is president as part of his duties, officially visited Vivaldi today and there are live updates on that page and there's background and all that. That's kind of like the news peg. Um, 
Item number two is into the complex background to the reason why item number one appears. Why does the president have to go politically to Ivaldi? Because there was another mass shooting of U.S. citizens and no one for decades has apparently done anything effective. When you look at the stats, compare us to any other high-tech civilized country on the planet, we are number one, both in in uh, gun crime, mass gun crime, as well as, uh, you know, the sheer amount of weapons that are washing around in this society. So, yes, tonight at some point we're going to talk about the Second Amendment. We're going to talk about, uh, well, a bunch of stuff. But what I want to do is lift the conversation to a higher level because I want to talk about causes. And Robert and I independently, and this is very important, Independently, we apparently have arrived at a very similar answer at one level to why does this keep happening. So without further ado, let me introduce my, uh, my, my first guest of the evening. Robert Morningstar is a specialist in photo interpretation, geometric analysis, and computer imaging. He's a graduate of Power Memorial Academy and was a New York State Regents Scholar at Fordham University, where he received a degree in psychology. And we're going to be talking in depth about psychology tonight, among other things. While at Fordham in 1969, Robert participated in a research fellowship in a U.S. Navy-sponsored program to develop artificial intelligence. Robert's an expert in Chinese language, history, and martial arts. He is an acknowledged uh, master of the Yang family Tai Chi Quan by the Ho, uh, I'm sorry, Hong Kong Tai Chi Masters Association, and has taught at Oberlin College and Hunter College, the City University of New York. And in 1992 and 93, he worked uh, in the Behavioral Science Department at the International Center for the Disabled. Now you can read, of course, Robert's full background, which goes on and on and on very nicely. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. But without further ado, Robert Morningstar, come on down. Hi, Richard. Oh dear, and we have a terrible noise in the background. Um, we it's a high-pitched hum. It sounds like a power drill. Well, I'm sorry. This is the background noise of New York City. What? No, 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 no. There's something running in your room. It sounds, you know, machinery. I'm not running any machinery, and I've turned off all my drives. Are you on a headset mic or on the computer mic? I'm on a computer mic. Oh, that's the problem. You're picking up the drive noise. Okay. Do you have a headset, please? No, I don't have a headset. In case we can't do this. Sounds like a shredder. Yeah. Sure, it's not. All right. Have a good night. Sure. Well, wait, 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 Robert, Robert. I, I, we don't know that it's your noise. I know it's not mine. Listen, I know that Richard was saying the other night that uh, the, your, the phone, your phone wasn't working and I could hear you perfectly. There is, and I'm, I, listen, I'm having interference yeah. on the, on the uh, Skype right now. My screen is being overwritten with every kind of uh, patch and heart. And uh, the so I think we're being interfered with. Okay, let's let, let us try this. Let's recycle the count and try the phone. All right, phone's much harder to interfere with. Okay, give me a call. Okay, Keith, working on it. Thank you. So Robert, you are uh, Robert. Uh, Ron, you are with us. <laughs> yes. 
Okay. And I notice I still hear that noise in the background, even with Robert offline. So it's it's not coming from his phone anyway. Well, that will be important if we can eliminate the source. Kintia, are you online? I'm muted. It's still there. Yeah, uh, I think it's... Uh, I hear it as well. It just now, stopped. Now it stopped. Yeah, I think that was the disconnection of... Do you all like all this backstage radio, folks, you know? That's what happens Absolutely. when you listen to a live show. Yeah, that's why we tune in. It's the good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Very funny. Um, yeah, the audience likes it. Yeah, I think that was the time lag between when you tell Skype to go away and it finally decides grumpily to do that. Mm-hmm. So we will hopefully be able to connect with the phone. You know, in, in decades, phone technology has advanced. Of course, Art was always very unhappy with cell phones. But I think they have improved. I've, I've had lots of phones patched into the board here that have sounded just about like Skype. So let's see uh, uh, when Keith can bring him up. So in the meantime, why don't we choose this yeah. opportunity, Hello? Ron, to talk? Hello? Whoop. Hello, I'm here. Oh, Robert. Yes. Let- the noise is not your fault, Robert, whatever it is. I know. Okay. Well, I did a show, I did a two-hour show today to commemorate John F. Kennedy's birthday and uh, read his, uh, the Forbidden Dallas speech for which he was killed. I recorded it. It was perfect. People heard it. They loved it. There was nothing. We're being interfered with. So, anyway, I'm sure the phone sounds better. It's, it's sharp. The noise is in the background, and maybe when Cynthia processes the tape, we can filter out, because it seems to be a single high-pitched whine. Yeah, it's still there. Robert? Not, a, not I'm right here. there. Yeah. Okay. It stopped. Now it stopped. I think it was in the... Yeah, it sounds like a, it's. It sounds to me like a bulk feeder for a printer or something. I think you've got line noise, and I, you have had a lot of interference and uh, issues with your own internet, Richard. And very often you said, "I can't hear it." There's background noise uh, while you're talking to a guest, and like Ron at times, all, and I've been all true. hearing perfectly. So, just resign to this. So there's line noise too. You know? Oh well, I, not, not not like this. If somebody doesn't want us to talk about this, it means we're going to talk about something. They don't want us to talk about it. So, Robert, kind of yes. re- rewind the conversation you and I had a couple of days ago when you kind of relayed to me what your independent examination of this latest catastrophe was telling you. And then I well, will go ahead. Yeah, basically, that um, these mass school shootings from Columbine on have turned into a ritual. Uh, you know, protocols. Those are rituals. And Columbine, the cops showed up, the shooting was going on, and they waited outside three hours before they went in. The other thing that uh, bugs me about Newtown and Parkland and Uvalde is there's always a uh, shooter drill uh, a couple of days or weeks uh, or a week or two before it happens. This uh, Uvalde, the latest news that I have for you is that the Uvalde shooter, Salvador Ramos, was in contact with the Buffalo shooter, Peyton Gendron, through a website called Discord. 
And apparently these two fellas were uh, exchanging ideas and views about uh, shootings. And there seems to have been a third person who was acting as a moderator. And that's something that no one on, in the news has uh, has uh, reported. This is information wait, 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 wait. coming... Hang on, hang on. You mean as of yet? As of tonight on your show. Yeah, yeah. Okay. They're, they're not telling you this. Well, it, well, it, it, it will eventually get reported. It's just about the time lag. Yeah. Well, as you know, I have a, a wide network of... Uh, investigators and intelligence uh, helpers and I'd like to thank John and David who have helped me with compiling that long list that I've submitted this is the first time I haven't submitted one single picture <laughs> but I know it's a compendium it's a compendium of all the most pertinent pertinent news articles that have come out and the most important ones are at the bottom and okay. I will recommend people pay attention to those two. I'll get around to them. But this is this is right in line with the shootings that I mentioned before. Parkland, uh, Sandy Hook, uh, Columbine, and uh, several others. And it always involves a disturbed youth. Um who's been spotted before with, uh, with a lot of uh, uh, problems, emotional problems, uh, social discord uh, in, among his peers. And we're getting a really weird story about uh, Ramos, and they're trying to paint him as a person who was bullied. Quite the opposite. One of his uh, classmates came out recently, a young fellow whose family name is Arellano, and he says, I have to come out and tell you this. I'm putting this out. He wasn't being bullied. He was the bully. Ramos was the bully and that he was mean. He said he was a bad person because he liked to hurt animals. Now, the other weird things are, if you look at his picture, the kid does look disturbed. His, um, his eyes bear a very, very sinister look that the Japanese call seppuku and the Chinese call three-sided wide eye or wolf's eyes. It's when the, when the pupil doesn't touch the top of the eye, uh, the top lid and the bottom lid uh, and produces an eye that has white on both sides, the eye will either drop down or the eye will rise up and you'll see three-sided white eye. That's what the Chinese uh, call it. And this is something that I learned from the the foremost uh, master of Chinese physiognomy was Dr. Timothy Marr, and he wrote a book called Chinese Face Reading, and I had the privilege of knowing him and studying under him in 1976 and 77, and he taught me how to find these, these to see these traits. Now, the interesting thing about three-sided white eye... When you say three-sided, three are we talking an equilateral triangle? We're talking about seeing white on both sides of the uh, iris and white either under or above. That would be roughly you, an act, that would you know, be like when you a, roll your eyes up, when you go, when people roll yeah. their eyes up, look up into the top oh, of their sure, heads. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that's that's three because the eye shows white on the sides and on the bottom. Now, 
if there's a there's one that's even worse, and that's when the eye shows white all around, and the the Chinese call that snake eyes, and that is a violent. A uh, psychopathic person, uh, quite easily capable of murder. The the three-sided white eye, which this kid has, and if you've seen the picture that looks like a mugshot, real close up, and he's kind of he looks also drugged. And I'll talk about the drug element. Yeah, I, I have not seen this picture. Um, let me let me ask this: um, Do we have any data besides Chinese folklore about this? Well, it's a Japanese tradition. It's an Oriental art to uh, Chinese. Uh, well, um, yeah, but you, I, you, I, you, you you have a degree in I, psychology. I'm just wondering help. if Western science has looked at this and said, "Oh, yeah, these traits can be reflected in the eyes." Well, I haven't seen uh, I haven't seen any uh, peer-reviewed literature on it, but uh, cops know what I'm talking about. Right. I believe it is recognized by mainstream psychology. They just don't. You, there's no single explanation for it. So the but, Oriental but see, view but of see, it. If, if, yeah. if, if you could tell on a driver's license photo of someone is going to ultimately someday be whacked out enough to take a gun and go and do something bad, wouldn't you think you'd have those people kind of looked at a little more closely if there's real science? I think they should. I think they should, but of course. Or, or does it exist? But it, but it. Hang on. Does it exist? But it's basically only for the in crowd, so they can use to pick their shooters among the background I would population. Think so. I would think so. But here's the interesting thing: the three white-sided eye doesn't always indicate uh, the killer. It can also indicate a person who is going to be the victim of violence. And in that regard, it's very interesting that in the last year of President Kennedy's life, there are photographs where he shows that trait. And of course, he is the ultimate victim of, of, a, of a murder. But it's generally associated with a psychopathic or sociopathic person. And it's quite appropriate to hear the the sirens in the background. Those I was going to say, if, if, if you have yeah. to leave because the building's on fire, just tell us. No, I'm not. The building's <laughs> not on fire. <laughs> We've actually had fires in the building. Well, if we're fire. under attack, who knows where they'll stop. So, <clears throat> go ahead. Well, let me get back to this because um, I really want to uh, uh, give you this profile of Ramos, okay? So, one of his classmates said he was the bully, not the bully, that he was mean, and his words were he was a bad person because he liked to hurt animals. And if you read that, um, the, the orchestration article at the bottom of my list, orchestrating a mass shooting, you'll find that the fellow in Buffalo also had, also had that trait and boasted about decapitating cats. So this is another trait that needs to be looked at. Meanness to animals is just one step removed from meanness to human beings. See, what I don't understand, uh, look, uh, this is not my field, so I'm going to ask a lot of dumb questions. As a psychologist, in terms of the field of psychology, given that since 2004, I think, we've been dealing with a rising crescendo of these mass shootings, wouldn't you think if there was an organized body of knowledge that could kind of flag the possible perpetrators before 
like growing up being manhandled by families, the usual insanity of some kid, wouldn't you think there'd be a body of knowledge where we could anticipate someone like this guy just because everybody knows he's horrible to animals? I mean, come on, that's a huge I sir, red flag. I certainly do. And this, you know, that's getting into the realm of that movie, Majority Report. Ah. Uh, pre-crime. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Ma- so minority Report. It was, it was, oh, Minority. Minority yeah. Report. Yeah. With, with Tom you, Cruise. You, you look at that movie and you say, look, this technology is here already, you know? They know. But because you don't want to use a person's looks, right, uh, as an excuse for inferring criminal behavior you can't act on it no but wait wait wait, wait, wait. hang on hang on all that all all that is all that is is an indicator that these people need to be subjected to a battery of psychological tests but then you put them in the hands of a shrink and the psychological battery of tests could turn into battery and and actually push them over over the line it's a it's a very very uh, difficult difficult thing uh, to deal with but on my show today Dr. Raymond Singer who I'd wanted to have on the show but he can't stay up this late uh, he goes to bed really he pulls out three he pulls out three or four textbooks uh, that uh, one is called Why They Kill and uh, violence uh, violence and mass shootings and he had, he had the three books um, I can ask him tomorrow uh, to give us the titles, but but there is literature there, but it's people don't pay attention to it. The media doesn't want to uh, cover it. But this is this is a fact. When you look look at Adam Lanza, the the kid who shot up uh, Newtown mm-hmm. and the Sandy Hook school, mm-hmm. same thing. Look at his eyes. He has the same kind of eyes, the same three three sided white eye. So you would say, again... It's called wolf eyes, by the way. When it's three sides, it's called wolf eyes. And when it's uh, all four sides, it's snake eyes. Well, given... given, uh, When when, when, when Chinese, 5,000-year-old Chinese, you know, medicine looks at this, what's their recommendation? What do they say the... the, uh, I'm looking for the right word here. The The remedy? The the, um, uh, person holding these traits... What would be exactly? What's the remedy? What what do you, what what did the Chinese do? Well, it's interesting you should ask because this skill, this art, is used for two things. One is diagnostic, medical diagnosis, and the other one is prognostication or fortune telling or mm-hmm. future uh, fate telling. Uh, the position of the ears relative to the brow. The, the position or the shape of the cheeks in relationship to the chin and the nose, there are five points. But in, in total, there are 77, uh, 78 points on the face that deal with uh, wrinkles and furrows and uh, scowl lines. So what, so what you're saying is the Chinese database, which again is 5,000 years and very, very pragmatic, very empirical, it developed a code so that you could tell the yes. consciousness of the person inside by yes. what was molded of their appearance by emotions outside. On the outside. Let me give you one simple example. It doesn't deal with murder. Um, I studied this, you know, as I said, since 1977. And I started to notice certain furrows and wrinkles on the brow. And over years, I had three people 
who committed suicide. And in the days before they committed suicide, I noticed a unique wrinkles and furrows on the brow that looked like not lines, uh, not horizontal lines and not just vertical lines, but both at the same time. It looked to me like a tic-tac-toe wrinkle. And uh, sadly, one of these people was my cousin. And over the years, I learned to recognize that. A couple of years went by, and I have a dear friend and a Tai Chi student who was utterly devoted to her mother. And when her mother died, it was devastating. So she came to me, and we did Tai Chi, and we were talking, and I was in the kitchen, and I looked at her brow, and I, I saw it. I saw the, the wrinkle and of suicide. And I subtly said to her, um, Shay, would it be all right uh, with you if I touched your forehead? And she said, no, sure, go right ahead. So I took my thumb and I put it on the tic-tac-toe wrinkle mm -hmm. and, I, and I rubbed it and I rubbed it till it disappeared. And then she said, oh, I feel a lot better. So a couple of years later, I told this story on the radio. Mm -hmm. She called me up and she said, Robert, was that person you were talking about me? Oh my. I said, as a matter of fact, it was, it was you. And she said, well, you know, you're right. I was thinking of killing myself at that time. Oh my. Yeah, it, it's, it's quite stunning and it's really, it's really painful to me to have this insight and have this knowledge and not be able to broach the subject because I can't talk to strangers about it, but I, I do know how to put myself on guard and be aware that that um, these people, certain people have a propensity either for violence toward others or violence toward themselves. But, but hang on, so, hang on. Well, you know, there's how many, how many billion Chinese today? <laughs> Excuse me, one and a half. Four is it great? One point four billion. Oh, okay, with a society that ancient and that complex and that interesting, you, I'm, I'm fascinated how this, this modality for analysis. In other words, you could machine automate this, where you take people's pictures and you mm -hmm. see the ones that are at risk, mm -hmm. and you could yeah. automate it. You could, you, in other words, if we're serious about mental health, as of course the GOP is now saying, oh, more mental health, while Abbott cut $200 million from the Texas mental health budget just the other day, just a few days before Evaldi. And then he said, well, mental health is obviously the answer. If, if the mental health community had the resources, could we not use this technique based on a culture with 5,000 years of empirical, it works, Forget how you know it works. You don't need to know it works. You just know it works. And empirically... Well, I don't think so because people don't stay in the same emotional state 24-7. Uh, and uh, these characteristics but, emerge... But, but, at, but everybody's yeah. taking selfies. Current. Yes, there are so many but, images. So you put an AI on the thing. You look through mm -hmm. your database. People are refreshing their images. Uh, you can even make it like a personal app where it would tell you, um, you may need to talk to somebody. 
Well, you know, Richard, I, I use it uh, regularly on Facebook. People send me uh, friend requests, and I, I used to accept everyone, but after having experienced uh, some real uh, whack jobs, crazy people, um, infiltrators, uh, enemies, you know, I check everyone. And uh, to be quite frank uh, with you, I do use it in analyzing the, the pictures that they put out. They think they're good pictures, you know, like they look good in this picture, but uh, I will see some of these characteristics and I'll say uh oh not this one uh oh on to the next one so it's a very um, well by the way since I mentioned it uh, it's a very hard book to get but it's called Chinese Face Reading by Dr. Timothy Marr M-A-R-R a wonderful man. He was one of the last Hanlin scholars. He was educated in the Imperial Academy before the Republic of China. And he came to the West. And he told me a very interesting thing. I'll tell you what, hold on, said, hold on, hold on. We're at the bottom of the hour. Time, okay. time is fugitive. This is fascinating, Robert. Hold it right there. My guest this morning, First guest, and uh, Ron Gerbron is kind of hanging around the background, uh, accumulating data, and we'll have some comment, I'm sure, when we return. I want us to post, uh, Robert, if you can hear me, I want you to post or send to Keith the link to this Chinese doctor's book, because this, this is really interesting, and we'll get into why it might work when Georgia joins us in the third hour. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We're talking tonight about how can we stop, finally, this insanity of mass shootings in the United States rising on an exponential curve with nobody, apparently, with a clue as to how to get to the bottom of this and uh, arrest this awful, awful trend. We shall return.
And welcome back, everyone, on this Sunday night, May 29th. Memorial Day is tomorrow. End of the week. What's going to happen this coming week? You know, it's you almost kind of don't want to ask that. My first guest this morning is Robert Morningstar, and he was talking to us about the fascinating practice, obviously based in a an empirical reality in Chinese 5,000-year-old civilization that you can actually tell what's going on inside a person by looking at their faces. Robert, please continue. Yes, uh, you asked me to send the link, and I, I found a copy. It's very expensive. It's not, it's not a print. Um, it's $100. For hard, it's $100 for a hard copy and uh, $90 for... Uh, $98 for a paperback. But it's called Face Reading, the Chinese Art of Physiognomy by Dr. Timothy Marr. Excellent. Timothy so Keith, so Keith, let's post that as his last item at the moment so it, people can find it easily in his list right there at the bottom. So, so please go on. Okay, so these, 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 um, these skills can be used uh, as, a, as, as some kind of screen. Yeah, not not just um, you know potential killers, but uh, various maladies, uh, you know, depression, uh, hyperactivity, uh, all, all kinds of things. So, listen, Robert, I want to. Yes, I want to move on from from that yeah. to Ramos. Well, hang on, and, hang on, uh, Ron. Ron, okay. you, have, you have a question? Go ahead. Yeah, no, it's no. I had a, a clinical. Um, somewhat clinical question for uh, Robert. Well, it's not really a question. It's just uh, to avoid anyone that's listening to the show from looking in the mirror and going, oh, my God, I must be a psycho killer. Uh, the, uh, you have to worry about these things. Uh, two clinical facts. One, the human eye only comes in three sizes. doesn't matter if you're eight feet tall or four foot one. Uh, there's only three sizes of eyeballs for 99.99999% of the population, and small, medium, and large. Uh, that has an effect on these, and it doesn't. It doesn't refer because I had heard of this before Robert and I were talking about it the other day. Uh, doesn't refer to um, what we used to call goggle eyes. Uh, the Deschanel sisters. Both very beautiful actresses. One of the uh, Renee was the uh, played the forensic uh, anthropologist on that TV show Bones, and of course Zoe, her sister, um, the cuter one, I'd say, uh, has that uh, what's it called that girl or something. It was a comedy show that's that's been around for years, and they both have eyes that are pretty much like that all the time. But it's because the eyes bulge a little. That's that's a different yeah, trait altogether. Know, all you people don't worry about it. Yeah. Some conditions, uh, you know, uh, uh, some thyroid conditions can produce it. But I would say mm -hmm. it's not a bad idea to check yourself out and do self-diagnosis because you will know. You know, the person will know, do I have thoughts like that? But it also can mm -hmm. be corrected. It can be corrected if a person yeah. realizes that they have that, that characteristic and that it's, well, for example... Why am not get, Why am I not getting the job? Well, maybe because you're looking at the boss like a wolf. You know, that's one of the, <laughs> yeah. Well, I said the Chinese uh, term "wolf eyes" is very, very apt. Because I'm talking yeah, about it. It's called wolf eyes. 
And also, yeah. you can do it yourself. Just go up to the mirror, pitch your head down, and look up at the mirror. And you'll see the white under your eye, and it looks like you're going to be ready to leap. And that's what a wolf looks like just before it pounces. So, yes, people can do yeah. self-diagnostics and check out these characteristics and correct them. I mean, it takes work. And well, you know, uh, I, guys, guys, yeah. we don't, we don't, we have three hours. That's not an infinite amount of time. And I want to get on yeah. to farmer substance well, here. But, to, but uh, uh, what I wanted to establish, Robert, was the background, the foundation, yes. you know, right. for looking at his photos, uh, this Ramos yes. guy, and saying mm-hmm. there's something wrong here. So let's oh, let's, well, let's let, let us take it to the next step. Yeah, but first, first of all. Uh, to test what I say, go and look at pictures of criminals. And look at pictures in particular of the criminals that I'm going to talk about now, which are Mexican cartel narco traffickers. And my, you and I talked about, wait, where does a guy get $7,000 on his debit card, not having graduated from high school, and accordingly to some working in a McDonald's? I don't think that happens, but it does happen that young people, especially in Texas along the border, can wax rich by pushing drugs. And we know that for the last eight to 10 years, the narco traffickers have been recruiting young Americans, uh, in in many cases, for uh, transporting illegals across the border and for those they were looking for the anglo types the young teenagers um who would not be suspect as would be a person like like ramos now ramos i believe he looks drugged in the photograph as well he was the saying we used to say he looks doped up right his eyelids are droopy his he's showing a three-sided white eye uh he's not looking at the camera and uh, I believe that he's, let me just another background his fa- his grandfather had a, a prior criminal record he said it on camera he says I can't have guns in the house because of a prior criminal record that I have and uh, so where were the guns they were in his house it was just what they were at his so well no he went and bought them right after his birthday yes yes and I the know, ammo and he, and he hid them. And, uh, the, and, so, and, 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 and the vests and the, you know, armor and all that. Yes. Well, that's what I'm saying. Where did the money come from? My suspicion is that this kid was being recruited and he was being bullied by Mexican cartel narco traffickers. And that he himself was hooked on drugs. Hence that appearance of him in the full face shot that was uh, published, has been published uh, many places, but from the no, epic no, times. We need to put the frame around this. This is all speculation. We have no concrete yes, data yet. Speculation. Speculation is a very legitimate uh, investigative tool. Oh, of course it is. I'm just what wanting people what, to understand. It's needed before you make an inference. So you have to do a lot of speculation before you put all the information together and make an inference. Speculation comes from speculo in Latin and speculare, to look, to observe, to gather facts. But now in the mass media, it, and uh, it's used as a disparaging remark. So I always stand up for speculation and for inference. Well, it's part of a process. Exactly. Exactly. So, yes, it is speculation. We look around, 
We pick out the most important and pertinent facts. We hold on to them. We discard the irrelevant. And then we put all of those facts or observations together to come to a conclusion. My conclusion is that Ramos was hooked on drugs by a Mexican cartel, uh, narco-traffickers, that he was pushing drugs himself, and that he gained uh, a lot of money as a result, but also that he was being manipulated and uh, angled uh, exactly into this. If you, When you look and read that uh, next to the last article, which is orchestration, the orchestration of mass killings, a very, very insightful um, report with some comments by a fellow who was in the U.S. Army and in PSYOPs, and he gives details on how they pick an individual, uh, well, basically, we'll use the, the word that uh, the English use uh, for uh, preparing girls for uh, sexual exploitation, grooming. They will groom the potential uh, assailant, the a potential shooter. They'll pick him out and they'll work him over and they'll interact with him and they will start to supply him with information that outrages him. They will also interfere in their personal lives. For example, um, the example given is uh, working with uh, a black guy that they want to groom into a killer and feeding him a lot of anti-white inflammatory information. And then if the guy has uh, a girlfriend to intrude into his life and break up the relationship, and say to the guy, or oh, the white guy stole your girlfriend. That's just the example given by this army guy of a process whereby a, a victim, because these people are victims if they're being so manipulated to go out and kill people and ultimately wind up dead themselves, they too are being victimized. But uh, it's a very well-known process. Uh, it goes back uh, to having... Wait, 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 wait. What you're describing was laid yes. out in that incredibly brilliant film in the 1950s with Angela Lansbury and Frank Sinatra and Lawrence Harvey, The, yes. the Manchurian, Manchurian Candidate. I'm glad you brought that up because everyone in the United States was manipulated by that movie and I'm going to tell you a very shocking thing. First of all, The Manchurian Candidate was not the shooter. Raymond Shaw was not the Manchurian candidate. The Manchurian candidate was the vice presidential candidate that he killed at the end, who was the communist plant. The plan was he was groomed to kill the presidential candidate so that the vice presidential candidate could pick up his body and make this big thing, uh, blood on his shirt, like Jesse Jackson at the Martin Luther King uh, 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 slaying, and take over the party. The Manchurian candidate in that movie was James Gregory, the communist plant who was going to run as vice president, and then in that case they were going to kill the presidential candidate, so he'd ascend to the, to the uh, presidential ticket. But the most important thing about this movie, and it's something it took me 33 years to, to, that's, to fathom. That's, that's an to interesting discover. number. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, I, I was uh, in high school in 1962, right, the year before President Kennedy was uh, assassinated. And I went to see that movie. 
And even then I was interested in psychology. And, and the movie uh, puzzled me on many levels, you know, like the change from uh, the, the scene where it changes from the... Um, the operating room arena where all the communist commissars from different countries are watching the uh, mind control apparatus being exercised on Raymond Shaw and his and Frank Sinatra and his platoon who were captured by the North Koreans, kidnapped, taken back, worked over, then put back right? mm -hmm. to, be, to become sleepers. Okay, But the thing that bugged me about that movie was why do they get an English actor to play an American Marine when Hollywood had to be full of American... Well, you could have taken Robert Mitchum, Wayne, any... Yeah, exactly. Um, what's his name? Uh, Lee Marvin. Yeah. Lee Marvin. Lee Marvin was a real U.S. Marine, and he was he was in the in the Battle of uh, uh, Saipan and Okinawa. And, and later, he was he was in that brilliant film, The Dirty Dozen. Remember? That's right. That's right. Well, let's get this. So I get involved. I discover the doctrine of the Zapruder film. Then I discover the. The, 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 the mangling of the forensic evidence, the swapping of the body of Tippett for JFK. And then I said to myself, you know, I really got to review all of the, the best and most important assassination movies that have ever been made. Mm. And so I went back through my repertoire from childhood. And interestingly, the first movie that came up is Suddenly. And who's in it? Frank Sinatra. The next movie was The Manchurian Candidate. The mo next movie after that was The Jackal and then Behold the Pale Horse with Gregory Peck. So I decided to review all these movies and to get... There's a message. You know, we now know about predictive programming and subliminal seduction. So I start going through the films, you know. I see suddenly. And, uh, wow, Frank Sinatra. Mm -hmm. And then I watched uh, The Jackal. And then I go to The Manchurian Candidate. And this was an epiphany. I turn on the VCR. I start running the movie. And then I see the names. Manchurian Candidate, starring Frank Sinatra, Angela Lansbury, James Gregory, and introducing as Raymond Shaw... Do you remember his name? Wasn't it Lawrence Harvey? Yes, sir. And I had a hallucination. <laughs> because when his name came up, I saw a giant L, a small A, a small uh, U, a small R, a big E, a small N, a small C, and a big E. Lee Harvey was embedded in the English actor's name that the American public saw for a year before the John F. Kennedy assassination. Now that's interesting. Yes, it is. I mean, again, could be could be coincidence, but this is looking really. Well, you get another coincidence. So wait, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. When when did the Manchurian Candidate come out? I don't remember. Sixty-two. Then Kennedy's death. I was death. in eighth grade. Okay, so so his death in sixty-three. So well, I mean, if 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 someone do we do you have any background on the film? Who wrote it? Who did the screenplay? Who decided to produce oh, it? Yeah, the, who put uh, the money? Yeah. Because to me, yeah. if if this was a forewarning, like 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 a like a deep cover forewarning, or John, Franken, John Frankenheimer was the director. Ah, and here's the really interesting thing. 
I've learned that President Kennedy wanted to have that film made. Really? And he, yes, he did. He wanted to have that film made, and he... Um, well, you know the other film that Kennedy absolutely insisted be made? Was? Seven Days in May. Oh, of course. Yes! Well, you put, you put the two together. If you put those two films together, you will have uh, an overlay of the John F. Kennedy assassination because it was the deep state and it was the CIA. Uh, now, the thing I was going to say about um, choosing Lawrence Harvey as the actor it bears on uh, on Lee Oswald because you know the story about Lee Oswald was that he defected to the Soviet Union and that he uh, betrayed America and renounced his citizenship and yet the State Department gave him back his passport and let him bring into the United States as a wife a woman Maria Maria, Maria Prosikova who had been a member of Komsomol which is the Communist Youth uh, League, and the niece of a high-ranking MKVD um, police officer, a colonel. It, it, the MKVD was like the FBI of the Soviet Union, and they let him bring her back. He went over there as a um, double agent. Yeah, of course. And he, and he got a job in the uh, Minsk radio factory. But get this, the point is, Lawrence Harvey, that was not his real name. He was actually, he had a Slavic name and he was born in Lithuania. He came out of the Soviet Union. So I believe that that was a huge mind control operation that the deep state found out that President Kennedy wanted this movie made and they kind of hijacked the casting to use it to prepare the American public for a year later when Lee Harvey, not Lawrence Harvey, um, would be the patsy. Wow. That's how deep mind control goes. So that See, the question I have, it's not the theoretical part of this that I, I really uh, uh, disagree with. I just disagree with the, with the actual practical technology because I don't know of any mind control back to and including the brainwashing and all that from the 50s and North Korea and all that that really ultimately works. That's 100%. And well, I, uh, the Russians perfected it. The Russian. Here's another thing: the Russians were doing brain implants in the back of the head, behind the right ear, and and uh, implanting electronic devices that they could use to uh, control people. They could uh, make them hear voices in their heads. They could give them terrible headaches. Uh, they could affect the behavior. And the reason it's in the back of the head, it's uh, very close to the brainstem, uh, the uh, medulla oblongata. Okay, well, let, let's, let's, then, hang on. Let's, let's bring this back to Uvalde because we could do this okay, all okay, night. Okay, okay, Well, the point is that this kid has all the uh, signs of having been... Uh, manipulated, uh, brutalized. The other part... So hang on, hang on. How long does it take? And there may not be any way to know this. I mean, your psychological background might give you some. But to me, the breaking down of a human will, so the person becomes the slave of whoever is controlling them yep. or running them or whatever, 
is not an easy process. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of stress and a lot of concentrated effort. And you you see this in the reports of the um, so-called, what do they call those, uh, uh, monarchs. Yeah, the monarch. Yeah, I was going to say that. But this kid's only 18. He lives in a small town. He's got grandparents and a pa- uh, two parents and all that. When did he disappear? When did he disappear long enough for someone to do this to where he will walk in to an elementary school and massacre 19 fourth graders? He doesn't have to disappear because now with cell phones, uh, the people have whoever was controlling him had direct access to him anytime. Yeah, but don't you so, have to actually feed no, it, him? No, it takes time. It definitely takes don't time. You need, don't you need? Don't you need? Don't you need to feed the subject a litany of drugs and stimuli that basically break the consciousness and remold it in the yes. uh, runner's pattern? I would, say, I would say it can be done in a year, depending on whether the person is unconscious of the event or willing. I could do it in three weeks. Yeah, you probably could, Ron. You're forgetting forgetting Patty. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Hang on, hang on. Robert, 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 please pay attention. I believe, Ron, you're referring to Patty Hearst? Yes. Talk about it. Yeah. Let's Ron talk about Patty Hearst and why three weeks. Come on, you don't boast about something like this. No, 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 no. It's uh, the point is that you what you need is to have someone that is not psychologically anchored very well. They're drifting. So you they pick the no, right target. You pick a sensitive, yes. totally open, wounded person who is basically in some kind of consciousness um, degradation, and you right, use that opportunity. Yeah, they've already destroyed their own value system by convincing ah. themselves that that they uh, uh, that the whole world's against them and all this other stuff. That comes out of them. You just find the right target, and you can um, dist- they're much easier to manipulate to destroy their value system. And somebody that was relatively frivolous in their perspective, like um, Patty Hearst, you know, that's easy. That's easy. Uh, so to speak. <clears throat> okay. Well, okay. Robert, go, go well, ahead. I don't think, yeah. So I, yeah, go ahead. I just want to say, I don't, yeah. it doesn't take a that's year and good, it doesn't. It, very good point. They break the person down. And if you start with a person that already has low self-esteem or they have a high state self-esteem and you break it down, for example, with uh, self-hatred, right? Yeah. Uh, white people are guilty. Uh, white society is guilty of every crime in creation. Nothing is good about the founding fathers. All of that malarkey. That yeah. wears down the person. So uh, here we have a Mexican boy, or he may have been Salvadoran. I, don't, I think he was Mexican. So he, regardless... Working on that person, but I wanted to say there was another strange characteristic besides being mean to animals and wanting to hurt animals. The boy hurt himself. He claimed to slash his face and um, make cuts on his face and go into school and he said, hey, what happened to you? Who did that? And he'd say, I did it. You know, but we know when you look at the pictures of these Mexican cartel narco criminals that uh, face scarring, tattooing, 
uh, all of these um, mutilations are part of the initiation. Okay, so, I, mean, I, I, I need to speed this up just a bit, okay? So, okay, so, 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 you know, <laughs> forgive me. You've got this guy, and you made a good case that he probably was a mule for the cartels, and they probably supplied him with enough money that when he wanted his fantasy, which is two AK-47s for his birthday, 18th birthday, and a 400, you know, rounds of ammunition, hollow point, I believe, he was able to go and buy them, plus the armor and who knows what else. Why would the, if we're talking about grooming, if we're talking about patterning, if we're talking about a Manchurian candidate, why would the Mexican drug cartel want to kill 19 kids in Uvalde? Because they hate the United States, because they want to inflame oh, the Robert, situation. Oh, Robert, come on. That, that, that's oh, what you think that, the cartel loves the United States? What does Uvalde have to do with the United States? It's another town, mostly Mexican. They're kindred. Yes. It's like Ukraine yes. and Russia. This makes no sense yes. at that level. So yeah, I think he screwed his benefactors is what happened. Mexican community against the local government and against the federal government and exploit that hatred to their advantage. That's why. Okay, clearly that's... I don't think it's the FBI. Clearly that is speculative because I would agree that this guy was programmed to do this and I have evidence to back that up. But... The question is to who did it? That is what we got to try to get to the bottom of tonight. Because this is not about Mexicans or cartels. This is a, quote, deep state global intelligence operation. So we need to get to to the deepest level and what the deepest agenda, because this is part of a a decades-long agenda. Yes, and mass killings are happening all around the world and all across the United States. And when people don't have guns, they use knives in London and they use bows and arrows in Norway. This Mm -hmm. is something that is global. And uh, it bears looking into, and that's why I say it's an occult ritual. And that's why I put the article down there at the bottom about, uh, but you know who? Moloch. Sacrificing children to Moloch. Okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves. Come on, come on, let's let's not, you know. So, um, I'm looking at the very frame around Uvalde. If this was supposed to be a secret, high-level, deep state, another covert operation where we build a public, you know, uh, psychosis against guns and we wind up with confiscation and all that, they really blew it. I mean, they really oh, yeah. blew it. So what happened to make it so outrageously obvious that for 30 plus, no, 90 minutes plus, these guys were stole to stand down? They're just milling the around thing. in the hallway outside the door and their cell phone calls from inside and they can hear the kids screams and cries and they do. This has to be the conditioning of all those 19 officers, not just this kid. Exactly. That's why I say that a protocol is a ritual. And that's why they waited outside at Columbine. They waited outside at uh, Sandy Hook. And well, well, hang, Sandy on, Hook. hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Columbine, I will, I will excuse, and I'll tell you why. Columbine was old rules. When you had that kind of scenario, the old protocol was you waited for backup, et cetera, et cetera. It was a hostage situation. But see, mass shootings were brand new in 1994, yes. 
Is that when that happened? Yeah. Um, so them waiting was just stuck with dumb rules that didn't apply to the new environment. The Uvalde okay. police waiting was it, it absolutely in, in, indefensible. There's no reason. None. Zero. The Uvalde police were waiting. The Parkland police were waiting. The Sandy Hook police were waiting. And I was watching the Sandy Hook while it was happening. You know, that was a live uh, broadcast. Uh, and there was a second suspect who ran out of the school, ran into the woods. And I saw him captured by the police. And they took him. And they handcuffed him, and they sat him in the front seat of a police cruiser there. And the helicopters were hovering around and taking uh, videos of this guy. And then uh, he was released, and no information about him was given. And uh, a real, really weird cover story. Uh, uh, back to that. Uh, yeah, uh, Robert, thing. hang on. I have blown through. The break at the top of the hour, so we're going to have to do some editing. Everyone pause. We will come back. My guests this morning are Robert uh, Morningstar, colleague, longtime friend, someone who has been part of uh, this show since uh, it's almost, I guess, its very beginning. And we have our resident generalist, Ron Gerbron, and Case Morgan's in the background, and way over there, I think I see Kintia. She might have something to contribute in the third hour. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We're grappling with this impossible subject to discuss without, you know, falling off the edge of the table. What happened in Uvalde, and is it part of a long-term, decades-long pattern leading us in some direction that all of us, except these guys, do not want to go? We shall return. listening to this exciting first hour now the second and third hour of the show is available to club 19.5 members only please support the show by subscribing to club 19.5 and join our very interesting community to do that please visit the website theothersideofmidnight.com and click on the join club 19.5 link in the left hand column as a club 19.5 member you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed, and the sound quality has been enhanced. You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports, 
We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward. And boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out.